0: Just found out that that song is the song that Vince Wilfork used to play when he was in college, put his headphones on to get psyched before every game. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because that's, that's what the players listen to. Well, I wonder why psyched. he was in the parking lot all the time. <laughs> but now it makes sense to me. That's Vince, why. Vince Wilfork, we lived in the same town for a while because I went to Dean College. Okay. He lived in Franklin, actually. Yep. So one of my friends saw him at Walmart and uh, and said, hey, and he goes, what? And he goes, did you do you play football? <laughs> said, no. <laughs> 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 what, <don't I? laughs> that's funny. But we're anyway, uh, we've got some, obviously, some news that it's been talking about during the day, and we'll talk about that later. First, we have Representative Chris Markey from Dartmouth. Hey, Chris.
2: Hey, how are you, Mark?
1: I'm going to call you Rep. Markey um, just because, not for the sake of formality, but there's too many Chris's here, so I'll just say Rep. Markey. Yes, call that, me Markey. That's easier. Everyone yeah. else
2: does. <laughs> okay.
1: So, um... Chris we were talking Chris Markey we were <laughs> <See>? <laughs> Rep Markey we were talking about the um the, the ballot questions there's four of them really five if you're in New Bedford everybody knows you should vote yes on five without right. hesitation but there are four other ballot questions um and uh you know we're trying to figure you know I had someone call in yesterday ask me about the ballot questions and so um I'd like to get your take on them and I guess let's start with um let's start with question Question 1, one. yeah <laughs>
2: So I'm I, I have always been a no on that, and there's two really two fundamental things. One is civics in government and how government works, and the civics of it is is that the House of Representatives is the place where all money bills are supposed to start. Okay, it's a section in the Constitution that says money bills begin in the House of Representatives. That's where we need to be. That's where the Taxes should be set, not in the Constitution. And if you saw the process that we went through to get this on the ballot and to be able to have it as a constitutional amendment, it has taken eight years. Yeah. So if we put this tax rate, which I don't know of any other state that actually puts the tax rate into a constitution, um how are we flexible For an economy when inflation goes to 6.4 percent, where we have uh, unemployment, that is extraordinary. We can't be flexible because we can't change that. So on on a civic side is we are giving up our responsibilities as representatives of the people by putting it into the Constitution. And again, many of the representatives want it because it's one less tax vote that they have to take. (laughs) And I get that. And I, I, I get that on a political sense. But when you look at it and you say, how does government work? And you look at, you know, the different branches of government and who's responsible for what. It's clear from our constitution and it's clear from pretty much everyone else's constitution in the United States and the U.S. Constitution that the money bills begin in the House of Representatives because we're the closest people or closest representatives in government, to the people. And we have to be accountable. And sometimes it stinks yeah. to have to make those votes. But that's what we have to do. So the fact that we're putting it into the Constitution is a real problem for me. You do not I don't know of any other place where they put the actual tax rate. They say you can tax certain ways, sure. but they don't put the rate. The other side of it is the practical effect of it. You're taxing... Point six point oh six percent of the population. It's about nineteen thousand people. I'm not one of them. I don't know anyone who is. I don't. I don't have an interest in trying to help a friend out or do anything like that. That is not my reason for saying no. My reason for saying no is I know practically that people who make this amount of money spend a lot of money to save money or to not pay taxes. And,
1: so we're spending a lot now to not pay this tax
2: well they well I'm talking about when it's your when you're the one making three or four million dollars you find ways to put it into trusts do other things to prevent it from being taxed sure if we start to start to play with that these people are very mobile and if it means that I have to go live in Florida for, Six year, six months, and one day, or if I can go to New Hampshire and live there for six months and one day, I can pull it off because I have the money to be flexible and be able be mobile. When you take, when you look at it, it's one third of it comes from what people traditionally think is income. When you get your W two, mm-hmm. so there's not many people who have a W two where they're making more than a million dollars, right? right. Right. It's about one-third of that 19,000 people. So now you're looking at two-thirds, which is a whole variety of different taxes in a tax scheme that we have in Massachusetts, whether it be capital gains tax and those are uh, uh, estate tax, uh, capital gains from property that your uh, businesses you're selling. Bottom line is, is they're coming from all different angles. That two-thirds, that has – that is very – Uh, much impacted by how the economy does. And if you look at the um, 2001 recession and the 2008 nine recession and how much money we lost from capital gains, because it is so volatile, you're asking for a lot of money from a very volatile tax. And what You know, the eyes of everybody have dollar bill signs flinging, ringing through it like the cartoons, think they're going to have all this money. You're not going to have all this money. And then finally, you know, they say, oh, it's all going to go to transportation. It's going to go to education. It's can't. Otherwise, it's unconstitutional. So what we're, what they're doing is giving up this idea that it's, it's going to be uh, as, a, as appropriated. And it still comes back to who? The House of Representatives. To make the determination when they release their budget.
1: Well, so what you're saying is it can't be because that's why I got kicked off the uh, ballot a few years back, right? Because the supreme in 2020, the Supreme Judicial Court had said there was a relatedness problem. I think with the uh, transportation education. Mm-hmm. So essentially, what you're saying because they're they're saying they're estimating two billion dollars in revenue from this uh, question one, and you're you're skeptical of that figure. And what you're saying is um, that can't go to transportation education, can't be earmarked that way. They're just saying, well, we're going to take it and we're going to put it there, right?
2: Yeah, and we've done that before. We've created trust funds to do things, and then we take it out. Right. <laughs> like we, we've, we've, done it with, we've done it with the uh, – there's a trust fund for removing of uh, fuel tanks from You don't gases. trust yourself to do the right thing, Chris? I trust me. <laughs> I, I Trust me. That's why I'm saying no. Right. Um, I trust it. I and I'm not afraid of raising taxes. I for the last two sessions, I've said that our tax rate should be five point three and increase the earned income tax credits for people, you know, a family of four making less than seventy five thousand dollars a year. Sure. They shouldn't pay taxes. I get that. But if you look at that and you just raise it point three percent in Massachusetts for everybody other than the the lowest income, you're going to raise about a billion dollars it's like 980 980 million dollars that's that's a tax that's spread out amongst everybody it's a tax that is reliable and dependable for both the investors and the citizens so that they have an understanding of what's coming and what's not and they can make a plan make plans appropriately like we do all the time when we start to have this this uh, surtax for millionaires I just, I have this sense, and again, I'm a lawyer, I have clients who have come to me to say, can you build, can you make a trust because of these these circumstances? Yes, I can do it. This is how you do it. Yeah. And what does that do? That avoids taxes. Right. So.
1: It's on the same thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's not this great thing that everyone says, oh, we're going to put more money to our higher education and we're going to put more money towards infrastructure. Yeah, we, we will do that, but it's. I just don't see how we can put it in the Constitution. And if we, were, if we were worried about the next generation and not worried about the next election, then we would vote for an increase to 5.3% right. and take the heat yeah. and, and argue why it is that we're doing it. I, I will say this. There was a um, transportation secretary under Deval Patrick, uh, Rich Davey. Uh, when we were talking about the rail and a whole bunch of improvements, he t- kind of took a road show and went around the state and explained why there should be increases in the gas tax or increases in, in certain things and explained and, and had an incredible explanation of why we need to have more money towards infrastructure, particularly transportation. And it was – I was all in. Like yeah. you had, there was – now, now now you got to figure out a balance of where you want to get the money from, who you want to ch- – who you want to charge Um, and that's where finding that balance and listening to the economists and figuring out what's the best thing is why you need to be flexible if you put it in the constitution you can't
3: do that
1: 508-996-0500 let's go to the phones good evening
3: good evening gentlemen good evening hey Tom Kennedy I have a question for you I'm I'm glad you're on I I think you were very succinct in your answer and you did change my vote in the last well four minutes which is pretty good (laughs) But to follow through with that, would, would the same thing hold since appropriations are done by the, the the House, would you be able to block the governor from following through on that 1986 law? And he intends to, to, to give everybody a check for $250 or whatever it is, when in fact that isn't coming from the legislature, that's coming from the administrative branch, and he shouldn't be allowed to do that. Yeah.
2: No, I think that that's a good point, and that's one of the things which is the struggle of the economic development bill that's out there that we're hoping to wrap up by the end of the session on July 31st. Um, I don't know how close we can come to that because our our idea was to find moderate uh, tax um, incentives or uh, tax decreases for particular people. Uh, For example, like the rent, uh, getting that up as a – a higher credit for for your rent um and many other things where there was more middle class related tax relief for those people um i don't i believe the law is written back in 1986 and allows for the governor to do this so i don't know if we could veto i think we could we could have vetoed it
1: mike Rodericks said um, he doesn't think that statutorily it's allowed. Uh, I had Rep. Mike Conley on right. from Cambridge. But then he's just going to do it. Uh, he, yeah, Rep. Mike Conley from Cambridge said there's Supreme Court, uh, uh, Supreme Judicial Court jurisprudence that says explicitly it's not. So but Roderick, they're just going to do it anyway.
0: Yeah, Roderick said he can't do it, but he's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Which, it was amazing, <laughs> yeah. actually.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, in 1987, the Supreme Court basically decided that you couldn't send a check; you could give a a, a credit. So when people file their taxes, they, they could write off that at that point. Uh, and, and that whole confluence of what's going to occur is going to really draw down on the $2.9 billion that everybody's clamoring about and they want their checks. I'm still convinced that the governor doesn't have the authority to do that since it is the legislature. And considering what the Supreme Court said in 1987, then it shouldn't be done uh, and it should only be done in the form of a, a tax credit.
2: I think you make a great point.
3: (laughs)
1: Now, is it something that... Are you going to stand up 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 to Governor Baker? Is it something that
2: could end up in the courts or...
1: No. No. I don't think so. No. I think, think honestly... um, I I think Tom makes a great point. Um, you know, it's been brought up by, you know, Rodericks himself right. and I think if something was going to be done about it and we had this the chairman of Ways and Means saying, right. Hey, this is wrong, something would have been done. No, I
0: agree with you. <laughs> no, I
1: think <laughs> I think what they're doing is and Tom, thanks for the call, we appreciate it. Yeah, Th- thank yeah. you. I think what they're doing is um uh, avoiding the political fallout of saying right. you don't get money. Yes. Honestly. I think that's I think that's what leadership is doing at least because there are some there are some con- contested races out there, but uh, let's actually take a break. Okay, uh, is that yeah? Okay, cool. We'll take a break. And we'll be back with Rep Markey.
0: And welcome back to South Coast. I am Chris McCarthy, as always. Mark Sorrow is here pulling the pulling the. I've been gesturing at you rudely the last few <laughs> nights. <and> I got got to stop. That's all right. It's, as long as you don't snap your fingers. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Um, that was bad. I, you know, it, did, it didn't bother me when you did it, but it used to be my trigger. I don't know why, but it used to be a trigger for me. Someone snapped their fingers at me because it's a it's a horrible thing. Good to know. don't <laughs> right. want you fired.
1: <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> Tired of doing right. this with you. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We're live with Chris Rep Markey.
4: Good evening. Hey, good evening. Hey. I've been listening, and I heard the story about the millionaires' tax and all that. I do agree with you. I do agree with you, and I see your point. And uh, it's quick money, but in the long run, you're losing money if you want to talk money. Taxing the millionaires, the, the way it's being proposed, is not the right thing to do. However, it seems like if everybody paid a percentage, everybody gets hit. And it generates over a billion dollars, almost a billion dollars. Okay, I'm with that. Now, the $2.9 that's pretty much a middle-class check coming in. And it seems like nobody's too hard on that, though. So tax the middle class and bend over backwards to give a break to the millionaires. Because in the higher level inside Route 495, they contribute a lot. Jobs, banking, oh, yeah, yeah. But outside four ninety five, yeah, yeah, I don't think Barbara Anderson, uh, I know it's it's her law. Uh, I don't think we're going to do it, though. Uh, we're going to put it in the courts. So you're going to fight me with my own money not to pay me the money I overpaid you. That's good business. But when it comes to the millionaires, red carpet, baby. Because we don't want them to leave the state. But you middle class people hit the road. I don't like it. And I don't like the way you handle the elderly.
1: Thank, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. So uh, did, did we have any more questions or conversation uh, on question one? In, in regard to that,
2: yeah. I, I think the 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 proposals that we had in our economic development bill actually were better for the middle class. Definitely than were. And the proposal from the governor to give back 13% of your taxes because people are going to – people who are going to get a lot more money back than the middle class. Right. And we thought that overall that this was the this, the, the middle class tax cut on tax relief that we one provided. That was more appropriate.
1: One of your colleagues told me that, that that 2.9 million, 2.5 of it can technically be claimed as a tax credit later. So that might be like a $5 billion divestment, essentially, from Commonwealth funds, Commonwealth funds unless something's done about it in the next session. I'm not sure. I mean, it's complicated, right? I, I, we didn't go to law school to do math, so I'm not sure, but I, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that.
2: No. I, I, I mean, I, I think that anytime we can give relief to taxpayers, it's it's an important part, whether it be at the local level of property taxes. We've done a million things for elderly and their property taxes to try to exclude them from certain things, uh, to to keep them in their homes because we know the value of, of that um, as far as, and there's, you know, even if you ha- You do your taxes, you'll see a lot of things about being born before a particular year. That means you're going to get a lower – you're going to get a higher credit and other things like that. So I think we're focused on that middle class and that kind of lower or upper lower class or lower middle class of the people that really need the money now
0: chris just one more thing because you you do you, when you were here before um and we're not going to talk about deer hunting today but you did talk about agriculture being so important in your district um and i know that this vote is for about the whole state not just your district but you do have to think about your district agriculture is very labor very um asset intensive right a lot of land Correct. one of the um commercials that the, that the no on one campaign is featuring are agricultural interests. just talk a little bit about that
2: no i think when you have to look at it and say well wh- at some point in time, a farm is going to wrap up, and when they wrap up, that land is worth well over a million dollars. Right, um, and to a developer, it's going to be worth a heck of a lot of money. And that's the one thing that you've had in your life for a long time. And if you decide that you're going to sell it, then uh, you're going to get taxed that extra forty thousand dollars for every million that you have. I mean, they, they they claim that every person who will be affected by this, the average will be. A hundred thousand dollar tax increase. So, understanding that there's probably a lot more people between one million and two million, and their increases will only be forty thousand dollars. Right. So, on average, that whole large group of forty thousand dollars, people paying the forty thousand dollars extra, there's another whole group that brings that average up to $100,000 and there's and as you go up higher and higher there's less and less people.
0: And just because the land is in Dartmouth or Freetown doesn't mean the trust that owns it doesn't have to be in Florida. Correct. Right, which would which would avoid the tax completely. Yep. I mean that's just something people have to understand. The land's going to stay in Dartmouth, but the owner may transfer to Florida.
2: Can't there be
1: modifications in state law to
0: help, you
1: know, curb that? You're going to
0: keep chasing the money? Yeah.
1: Once it's out of state, it's gone. So, well, no, but but I'm saying
4: um.
2: i i think i think when you get I, I think the bigger the bigger picture here is is what's our responsibility as legislators and one of them the number one thing is really the budget yeah and we're responsible for it and we need to fluctuate we need to be able to be flexible and nimble to de- to de- to determine what that balance is so that there's consistency in people's lives We don't want to have it where inflation goes up to eight and ten and twelve percent. We don't want it to have it where unemployment is is up to eight and ten percent. We we want it to be a balance, and the way you balance it on a macro level is one part is through taxes, and try to determine how we can get money back into people's hands so that they can spend it, they can invest. And that's my concern is those people may not invest. The other, the other collateral consequence to this is think about this. Many people have foundations, right? Mm-hmm. Really super rich people. They call them the uber rich or whatever it is. They're rich. They have foundations. They donate to nonprofits galore. The Zaiterian is a nonprofit. They get money from all these people who have the money, the ability to pay, a huge amount of money every year. Why do they do it? Because it's a tax deduction. It gets their income down lower, and they can now say, We're giving to charitable. Buzzards Bay Coalition. All of those nonprofits that we have in this area, um, the Women's Fund, the Community Foundation, those are going to be affected by the millionaire's tax if these people leave. They're not going to be donating their money to these loca- to these great nonprofits that provide great services because they might not be in our community anymore. In places in New Hampshire may have new nonprofits, the Y there, and down in Florida, wherever. So that would be an adjustment too. 508-996-0500, good evening.
4: Yeah, um... Uh, thanks for having me on. I just, uh, question, I know you're talking about the millionaire's tax, but I was curious of the way to save money for, you know, the middle class, if you buy a car, how about the excise tax? Is there any, anything looking at that maybe to get rid of that? That would save a lot of people a lot of money. When you buy a car for, you know, $30,000, you already pay sales tax on that. And now every year you have to pay another you know, whatever thousand dollars on that that it depreciates every year.
0: Thanks for the call.
2: No, I think I mean listen, it's taxes. a prop two and a
0: half. It's actually yeah. twenty. It's a lot better than Rhode Island. I don't know if that's a, that's something that's going to make you happy, sir. But in Rhode Island, it's 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 insane what they pay here in Massachusetts. It's only twenty five dollars on a thousand because of prop two and a half.
2: Yeah, and again, there is if you go to you know you go to Florida, yeah, you, you pay an extraordinary amount in. Um, property taxes. And again, that's kind of going back to dividing up where we, where, who's, who's spending the money. The guys who buy a $100,000 car are going to spend a lot more on excise tax than the guy who spends $22,000 on a car. And so, that balances out, I think, because you're getting taxed uh, on the value of your car as opposed to a straight, you know, doesn't matter, everyone's paying X amount of dollars for you. So, as far as fairness, I think it's relatively fair. But again, you got to look at how are we a- acquiring the revenues for the state to be able to function. We're getting them from different places, from different people, for different reasons. And that diversity allows us to be consistently growing in a fashion where investors can invest because they know there is reliable income coming in to the state where they know there's going to be good infrastructure and they can they can have their trucks traveling on the road. They have good, safe neighborhoods. They have um, a good education and all of those things. And that's what we strive for, I hope.
1: So I, I was hoping we could move to the...
2: Yeah, let's go. I mean, that
1: was a good discussion. I'm yeah, I we can so. move yeah, to the go, next yeah. questions. So are you... Questions two and three are you familiar with them? Do you have any sort of familiarity? I was asked by a caller uh, yesterday uh, about I think three in particular, and despite it you know technically being my job to know it's still difficult to figure out. so I was wondering if you had any familiarity with those
2: so two is the dental insurance, and i'm I am for that. I think that uh, when you look at it
1: so that's a yes on' that's two. a yes on two okay.
2: Um, and the and the reason why is I think it it's appropriate that we need to have something done in regard to how much money is spent by the insurance companies for uh, dental care, and how much how much is going towards the actual care, and we've put limits on it as a result of uh, what we what you know was originally called Romney Care and what we call Mass Health and all that. That there is a sure. there is a uh, requirement by insurance companies to spend. Uh, I believe it's 88% towards for the loss-type payments out. In the dental world, there is none. So studies have shown there's a vast majority of the money – or not a vast majority of the money, but there's a large percentage of the money going towards administrative costs, payroll, and other things Mm -hmm. for the insurance company, and little is going out to the actual care. Sure, And I can tell you, you people – I, I make decisions on that. I got a tooth pulled this year. Yeah, same. I got tuitions galore. I can't. I I can't afford to put in a crown or get it, do the whole implant thing. I'm not doing it because right. my insurance isn't going to cover it. So um, those types of things are, I think. At what people look at, and they say, "Well, why are we spending so much money on administrative costs, and it's not going to the to the people who actually pay the premiums?" So we think this will be a, a mechanism to allow more money of the premiums to go towards the actual care.
1: Makes sense. So, uh, question three, I know, has to do with some sort of alcohol licensing.
2: There needs to be reform. Yeah, there definitely needs to be reform. It's a, it's somehow it got, it got crazy. There needs to be some type of reform, but I don't think this is the answer. And, okay, and and the reason why is I, I just in my mind is that reform has would affect a lot of people who spent a lot of money to acquire a liquor license, mm-hmm. and their business relies on that. Yeah, and that's why they spent the, the large amount of money. If we if we slip that up, and now all of a sudden the market is huge, there may be problems with it. On the other hand is we do have to change the way in which we we license liquor stores right. and or uh bars and everything else. I think it's a whole global movement that we need to make. Um so for example, just in Massachusetts, if New Bedford wanted to expand and get a new liquor license, they'd actually have to come to the state to ask for it. Okay. Which doesn't why? But yeah. we need to figure out ways in which we can control it better and have a better better system in place.
1: So you're a no on question three. I am. You sound reluctant about it.
2: Well, it's a complicated thing, and I just think it's something – it's one it's of those things. I that... agree with the principle that we need to change things. Yeah. I just don't know if putting it on a ballot is necessarily the way to do it because the, the – it's it's a very complicated thing, and it affects a lot of people in a in a – in the middle class. Yeah. Who own a small liquor store and who will And so I just, I think we got to figure out a solution to it. And I think that's what, again, we're elected to do. And hopefully a committee in charge of licensing can figure that out. So, um,
1: so you're a no on three. And I, I think your reasoning makes sense. Um, let's, question four. I know that you were a vote against that, but you're not necessarily a no on four, are you?
2: I, I am gonna I am gonna vote no on it. I thought you no, but, you, but you I don't want you. I, peop- I don't like you like people idea. repealing
1: your legislation. I don't like you, that idea. You were just talking about how your legislation has to. Uh, you you know it's it's up to you guys yeah, to I, be the, the 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 gatekeepers for this type of policy. Totally now agree. now all of a sudden no let's let's repeal I, I, it all I together. Agree.
2: And I and I, I you're you're <laughs> spot on. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. My my problem is is. Principally, I thought that it's not appropriate. Okay. So, um, I'm not going out and being a big advocate for it. I don't think that I. If it happens, it happens. Um, but I, I'm not one of these people who you know was going to sign on to a petition to get rid of it and to do that. I, I accept a loss. But damn, if I get a chance to play in the game again, I'm going to try and. Win. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, let's actually let's take a break now. Yeah. yeah. If
0: you. And then we'll when we get back, I do want to have you expand a little bit more on the problem of legislation by ballot question because it really is a problem. Yeah. yeah. No matter who wins, unless it's for something you like. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it is crazy. No, it is.
1: Let, let's actually
0: take a break. you? Fourteen
1: twenty W. Chris Markey.
0: So Chris, um. We've been talking here about a lot of these issues, and I I think people are going to go away from this, um, deciding how they're going to vote and taking your your opinion and our opinion uh, into consideration. Uh, Most people have not voted yet. It's early voting. In this area, It's about the highest it gets is 20% early voting. So there are people out there who still are yet to get the opportunity to vote on this. Um, Just overall, philosophically, I think it's a big problem. Even when I win, even when my issue wins, referendum these ballot questions it's such complex legislation talk a little bit about that
2: no it is i mean you you think about it first off i go through a whole process to get elected right right and the people trust me to make a decision they might not agree with it right Right. and i get that i totally understand it as you know even if you vote for me at least i hope people know that i at least looked into it i understood the issues and i made a decision The thing is, is that we're asking people to make decisions on – that are very complex in a paragraph. Right. Yeah. Right? And this is how I treat it. When someone comes in to see me in my office, they give a pitch for a particular bill. Can you sign on to this? You know, particularly at the beginning of a session. This is what this bill does. The first question I ask is who's against it and why? (laughs) Right. And the reason why is because – there's and what would they say to me? Okay. And when they when they say that there's always a collateral consequence to it, right? Well, um, unforeseen consequences, and they they look at it as, hey, this is a better better bill because of X, Y, Z. And I get it; they're advocates for it. Some of them are paid advocates, and they do a good job. But they're also a very good resource. Right, And you build a trust with them to listen to what they have to say. Those face-to-face conversations are essential. We do it every day in our lives. We size up people. We figure out, are they full of crap or are they telling <laughs> the, real, the truth? Right, right. And that's th- those are the luxuries I have when you have a face-to-face conversation. When you read it in black and white and you're not knowledgeable on the particular issue, you're just going on a gut kind of thing. Oh, this might make sense. I'm not sure sometime legislation and making laws is complex <laughs> and I just think right. that we're we're getting to a point where it's it may be too easy to get things on a ballot like I, I the idea that we made this vote on the the, the licenses in July I think
1: yeah uh,
2: or in June June okay and it was on it's now it's going to be on our ballot right yeah
0: that's that's too easy and when you when you guys do legislation in addition to meeting with experts but you have hearings on the bills right i mean how many hours go into back and forth on bills before you guys even vote on them which is nothing the public has
2: so typically the the path of a bill is say it starts in uh judiciary it'll go through judiciary um there will be a hearing people will come in be able to speak those hearings again you know depending on the nature of the The bill, some are very popular, some aren't so popular, and people come in and speak. But you can have a five- or six-hour hearing on one bill. Right. You can get 30 or 40 people. Alimony reform back in 2013, which was a huge thing. Uh, Actually, it was 2011, I think. We were in a hearing for – I believe it started at 1, and we finished at 2 a.m. Really? Really? And there were probably a few hundred people who spoke. Um, it changed the law, but it, that's, the, you know, that's the mechanism to do it. Again, it was a complex thing, and the gentleman who was in charge of it, John Fernandes, back in the day, who and uh, Gino Flaherty, the two of them met with hundreds of people individually, different bar uh, associations, the Women's Bar Association, the Boston Bar, the Mass Bar. They all came together and gave suggestions as to how to change it. Okay. And that's just one example of how long. Then it goes to, after it's passed in the judiciary, it'll go to ways and means. Okay. Figure out if it's going to cost anything, how much it's going to cost. Is it worth it? They do a kind of a double check. Then it goes to the House. Then it goes to the Senate. They go through the same process. Right. Then it comes back to us and we vote on it. Then it goes to the governor, who's now going through the same process. Right. That's how a bill gets done. Right. So, it's, it's complex in the idea of just reading it on the back of an, a ballot when, you know, you got a kid in your arm right. and mm-hmm. you, you got to worry about picking up dinner at Ying Dynasty and figuring right. out all these things. <laughs> right? Like, hey, you know, uh, they're probably not the person most capable to make those decisions.
0: It's not how we're supposed to make decisions in our, in our republic. We're just not. Even if it occasionally breaks your way, I yep. guarantee it doesn't always break your way. Yep, you know.
1: So, uh, Chris, um, and you know, we did talk about deer hunting last time, but are there any <laughs> other local issues going on in Dartmouth um, that you're currently working on, or something that you want to bring to the next legislative session?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, this, um, well, one thing that is, has come up is again, somewhat farming is uh, the odors of composting. Okay. okay, okay, so this is not just a Dartmouth thing, but it's a kind of suburban rural area, right This is what happens is Dartmouth is a uh, right to farm yeah Composting is f- considered farming, sure. De so now you have the right to farm rights that you have that are pretty solid yeah you're doing you're dealing with this. People are now moving out into more suburban or more rural areas right. from suburbia. So now they're getting closer and closer to farmland, which now means that they're getting the the bad effects of a farm. Right. Um, and one of them is composting. But then on the other side of it is is you got DEP, the Department of Environmental Protection, who wants composting because they don't have landfills to right. fill the land. <laughs> right. Right. And they, so anytime that they can find a resource to be able to uh, to co- compost, then you want to try it, right? Yeah, yeah. And now, so now you have this inherent conflict between kind of the expansion of suburbia with the kind of the. It's. I always. I got some award once with the farmers. I go. It's always. Living on a farm and going into a farm sounds so romantic, and till you get out there and you're standing in a, two inches of mud, and right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. you realize it's manure. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, right. <laughs> so the, the there's that conflict between those two things, and I got to figure that out. I got to just even for the people of Dartmouth, particularly in North Dartmouth, I got to figure out a solution to get uh, Department of Ag Resources and DP on the same page so that we can. Get a
0: solution. It's pretty
1: cool. Can we? Uh, can we? Uh, yeah, let's finish, so we yeah. finish out the hour strong. Here, yeah, let's
0: yeah. do that. Yeah. Welcome back to the show. I'm Chris McCarthy. Welcome to South Coast tonight. As always, Marcus Ferro is here, and we of course have our guest, Dartmouth representative and New Bedford, That's Chris Markey. It.
2: Yes, it is Nothing got the New Bedford.
0: So, listen, you have a big governor's race coming up. You're endorsed this time around by both the leaving the governor who's leaving, Charlie Baker, and by the new likely to be incoming B- uh, governor, uh, Maura Healy. What do you think about Maura Healy coming in? How do you feel about it? What do you think it's going to mean for South Coast?
2: Well, first off, you got to have to look at the individual. Um, are they capable in- intellectually to handle it? She is super smart. She's right. charismatic. Uh, she can be a leader. But you can say, okay, well, how do you know that? What do you see? And you can see it in her ability to communicate with people, both in a large audience and a small audience, in a medium-sized audience. She listens to people. And I think that comes from her years as an attorney. When you're an attorney, you have to sit and listen to your client's story. Mm -hmm. And you have to evaluate it. One, you have to evaluate the trustworthiness of it. Then you have to evaluate the cause itself. And when you do that over and over again, it becomes second nature. And I think she has shown that she has that just even as a second nature. She doesn't even think about it. Um, Her intellect is clearly her ability to understand complex issues. Uh, The Purdue Farmer case, incredibly complex. Many of the cases in which she has done in the attorney general's office have been complex and somewhat cutting edge when you're suing. I don't think anyone as a state's attorney general, wants to sue the federal government. Correct. And that's not a desire. No. But when you see something that needs to happen, you will do it. And so she has the courage to do that. She's got the intellect, the charismatic ability, the courage, the integrity to do those things. And then when you look at her opponent, I don't don't see those qualities there.
1: You worked with him in the legislature, right?
2: I did. Yeah. Um, There's not a lot of depth there. Yeah, and, I mean, that's, you know, it, that's my argument for not voting for him. You you can say certain things that are the populist decisions. Oh, you know, I, I was able to do this with the gas tax. I was able to do that. Those are all, in, in my mind, very small pieces of what a governor would do. And right. I say that because we're coming out of a pandemic and we're by far, I've said it a million times over, by far, Charlie Baker is the best governor uh, in the country not because I believe with everything he says or I, I, I agree with everything he says, but I trust him. He's dependable. He's reliable. He's thoughtful. And I think that's exactly what uh, Maura Healy is. She is someone who is highly, highly intelligent, charismatic, courageous, um, has done as a proven record of taking many different uh, issues from many different areas and putting together. And that's someone who has uh, depth and a wide range of depth, not just a single area of depth.
0: So uh, um, speaking of uh, Chris Markey, Chris, um, if, do you feel like you'll be able to, she'll listen to you if you have a case, even if she doesn't agree with you, to make a case for South Coast?
2: Oh, I think she, she – everybody knows. If you're the governor, right, it's like taking over as the GM of the – used to be the White Sox or uh, the Kansas City Royals. Right. You can only go up. Right, right. Yeah. And I'm not saying it in a bad way for us, but this is this is the area that has the most potential. Yes, yeah. By far, you look at the waterfront, you look at offshore wind, you look at uh, hopefully an industrial park in the, at the Wheeling City Golf Course. You look at all the things that we have done, the investments in the higher ed places to support offshore wind. All of these things are now getting pieces together. She's going to need it. She knows that. And we need her. More than anything. Right. We need
1: her. Chris, thanks for joining us. Chris Markey, thanks for joining us. Chris uh, McCarthy will continue to join us. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, we appreciate you coming on. It was a good discussion.
2: So Thanks, Marcus. Nice to see you. Likewise. Thanks, Chris.